Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm Melissa Studdard, and this is Teferit Talk, the blog talk radio show for Teferit, a journal of spiritual literature, where we work to promote peace in the individual and in the world through writing. We're thrilled that you've joined us tonight, and we invite you to also join our online community at www.teferitjournal.com. There you can interact with other members, read their writings, post your own writings, and subscribe to the journal. Tonight we have a special treat as the tables are turned and the guest interviews the hosts. With me are R. Jeffries, fabulous poet and host of the Right Step radio show, and Donna Bear-Stein, founder and publisher of Teferit, and also a fabulous award-winning writer. We'll be talking about the Teferit Talk book, the book includes interviews with such incredible guests as Julia Cameron, Robert Pinsky, Floyd Sklute, and more. As well, Donna will talk about her founding vision and Teferit's beautiful global mission. I'll leave it to Jeff to introduce Donna, but before he begins, allow me to introduce him. R. Jeffries is an editor-in-chief, an editorial consultant, a featured blogger and book editor, a published poet, essayist and playwright, and host of the popular radio show, The Right Step with R. Jeffries. His Right Step blog was chosen by Networked Blogs as one of the top ten sites for writing advice. As well, Jeff is the program organizer and host of the Boston chapter of the international event, 100,000 Poets for Change. Currently, he's editing Stories from a Holiday Heart, an anthology. So, Donna and Jeff, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you both here. And, Jeff, I'm turning my baby to Ferret Talk over to your trusted hands and voice. Thank you so much, Melissa. Welcome, everyone. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much. Am I doing all of that? I guess so. (laughs) Welcome, Melissa. Welcome, Donna. Uh, And hello, everyone. And once again, welcome to Ferret Talk Radio. And I'm thrilled to be guest hosting tonight's show. Yep, we have turned the tables tonight. And I'll be interviewing the regular host of Vera Talk and my dear friend, Melissa Stoddard, and also the producer of the show and the publisher of the Vera Journal, Donna Bierstein. Before we begin, I do want to read two brief files about tonight's guest in kind. And I do want to add that I'm so excited about this interview, I actually shaved for radio. Uh, but I think the bikini will fit over the top. Melissa started as an award-winning writer, professor, editor, and talk show host of this show, Tefera Talks, and the best-selling author of the novel, Six Weeks of Yehida, and its companion journal, My Yehida, which just won another award yesterday. Congratulations, Melissa. And Donna Bierstein is the publisher of Tefera Journal, winner of the Penn New England Discovery Award, finalist for the Iowa Fiction Awards, and a founding editor of Bellevue Literary Review. Her work has been appeared in Virginia Quarterly Review, Prairie Schooner, and many, many other journals. She also, I want to add, is a copywriter, has had her work published in the Smithsonian and also the Times. Welcome, ladies, and thank you so much for this opportunity. Hi, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. And it's, uh, I'm honored that you shaved. <laughs> I am, too. <laughs> yes, I'll miss the Walt Whitman beard, I think. <laughs> and thank you, everybody, for joining in and allowing to share this wonderful opportunity with you. Don, I want to begin with you, if I may, with a question. The word to ferret has such special significance for you. Can you explain why? Um, sure. Uh, I first learned the word in 2003. I was in a 
a program studying something called integrated Kabbalistic healing. And I learned the word and learned that it can mean heart, compassion, and a reconciliation of opposites. And this, I fell in love with the word immediately. It's one of ten spherote, or they're also called emanations, on the tree of life. It's also known as, on the tree of life, it's seen as the place where the spiritual and physical realms meet. Mm-hmm. And this really, again, this is a concept that I fell in love with. My teacher back when I was studying that, was one of those sentences he said was that language is the first particularization of nothingness. And that also something that really, you know, uh, made my ears perk up. I'm a writer. I'm certainly a rather peripatetic seeker. And so this concept of language, words, and divinity really interests me. The... Uh, you really ideally wanted to provide to the public through the deferred community. Yes. Are there any other important and, things you did want to convey through the deferred website, the journals, the books, radio, the in the show itself? I wanted. I started out with a rather grandiose idea, I think, but it's turned into something that I wanted. I wanted to provide a place and a publication that was that was kind of a meeting place of literature and, and whatever concept people individually have of their own spirituality. Um, on, our, on one of our first websites, I quoted Emerson, God enters by a private door into each individual. And I wanted, I wanted a place where readers and writers could kind of explore where creativity comes from, um, where their own creativity comes from, and also where they could experience those glimmers of, you know, of spirituality or otherworldliness that great literature certainly in my life has provided and I think can provide to other people. Um, and, and also I wanted a place where people could really enjoy good writing. Um, and may I interject, Donna, they really can. If you've not been to the Fair Journal website, my listeners, and my dear friends, you must. There is some amazing work there that's published. And I really like the concept and the idea of, of bridging spiritualism with literature. I, what a wonderful blend that is. What a nice conjunction that is. I mean, it's something that's always really interested me personally. And so, you know, I think we start these projects partly because it's something that interests us. Melissa, you've been doing these interviews for a year now, and I've Listen to everyone, and you are just a phenomenal interviewer. I love these shows. Your questions just astound me every time. You really get inside that writer or that spiritual, so whoever you have on the show, and you can tell that you really are already a fan of theirs, and it shines and shows. Is there a process that you go through to prepare for that? I mean, other than reading their work and getting to know them, but is there an actual process for that as well? Um, well, first of all, thanks for the compliment. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, I do like to get to know the work of the interviewee as thoroughly as possible. And as you know, probably from listening to the show, some of these people have published over 20 books and they're involved in myriad other activities. So the month of preparation between the interviews can feel kind of short, but I immerse myself in the interviewee's career and works and I try to learn everything I can. So I start, um, I usually start by reading the person's books 
And I can't always read all of them, but I usually do. And then I start to familiarize myself with any other writing they've done, like if they have blogs or newspaper articles. Then from there, I branch out and learn about their other interests. So if they, say, run a medical practice or a publishing company or have an album or some films out, um, I get to know that. And then finally, if there's somehow still any time left in the month, I get to know the secondary materials, which would be something like a review of their book and other interviews they've given, articles written about them, and that sort of thing. And then I just start compiling a list of questions. Now, you have interviewed some amazing writers. Uh, one of them, first one comes to mind for me is Robert Pinsky. I would so love to interview him. What was that like? <laughs> Well, I'm going to have to say incredible. <laughs> you know, I think most people really have all kinds of questions that they wish they could ask an author after reading the work, and I actually get to do it. So that's amazing. And, um, anyone, you know, I, as you mentioned, I, I really get to ask these questions. Of some of the right, and for anyone that doesn't authors. know, just to bring him up to speed, Robert Pinsky sure. is, is the American Poet Laureate. There's a luminary. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, he was he was the poet laureate for three terms, and oh. currently I it's Natasha Trestaway, but I'm not sure if I'm saying her name properly. But yeah, so I mean it's kind of intimidating, but you know these people are just such incredible spiritual and intellectual leaders, and you know the the top in the world really. But despite their successes, they're actually some of the kindest and most down to earth people I've met. And Robert Pinsky, who you mentioned, is a perfect example because. You know, he's brilliant and successful and talented, and he's sharing this incredible wisdom and knowledge, but talking to him, it's you feel as at ease as if you were talking to your neighbor over the fence or something because he's really that nice. So even though in the beginning it might feel a little intimidating or something, once the interview gets started, it's just it's great. <laughs> well, true, and so. I found that to be to achieve the same thing. It seems that the larger they are, um, the more humble they, you feel like they are with you. It's just they don't really seem to take it, you know, obviously it's their work, it's serious, but they don't take themselves seriously, which makes for me, always makes for a really nice interview. It re you, it's almost an intimate talk, and I'm always astounded by that, how genuinely giving they are of that. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, it's, it's obviously it's these people that I've interviewed, you included, of course, have an influence on, on me personally and on my writing. And has is is the same effect happened to you? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the guests have shared so much insight regarding the magic and the craft of writing and the wonder and sorrow and exhilaration of being human that conducting the interviews every month is really kind of like staying in a constant state of creative and spiritual awakening. So, of course, for me, that translates into greater depth and meaning in my own life and writing. And, um, you know, so many things that they've said, I just want to, they feel so essential to me that I just want to kind of stamp them onto my soul, you know, and keep mm -hmm. them with me. And, um, you know, kind of, I'm thinking of an example from when I interviewed Ed Hirsch, and he talked about the magical, irrational element in poetry and how the poet is like a priest or a shaman performing this vital function of bringing information back from the unconscious realm to the material world. And when he talked about how dangerous it feels to venture into that territory, 
I just felt this huge relief in knowing that the process of entering into the unconscious feels so imperative and so dangerous to other people, too. And, um, well, I, I won't say that I felt less afraid of getting into the deep waters of the creative process after that, but I felt less alone in the fear, and I understood my role as a writer and a poet in a larger, more archetypal kind of context, and I understood that a lot of other people had met and survived and even thrived in the face of those fears, and that had a huge impact on my ability to write through some fears that previously would have silenced me. So that's just one example, you know, countless of how the interviews have impacted me. But everyone that I do, I end up afterwards listening and just wanting to take notes and, you know, just doing everything I can to really, really absorb the things that they say. So I appreciate that you brought that up. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they, they, it's, it's a mentoring they're doing, mentoring through their words, but be able to speak with them. Yeah, I mean, I felt the same commonality with Ray Bradbury when I would write a piece and get very emotional about it or get up and just uh, have to dash to the computer to get something down for fear would be off the ethereal plane. <laughs> you know, right. and, and realizing, watching Ray Bradbury's interviews, he went through the same process. A wonderful story that I remember that he said, as he got older and older, um, you know, sleep is often, but he would get up in the middle of the night, come downstairs and pull one of his books off the shelf because he wrote in the basement his California home, and um, he'd read something, he'd say, you know, I would read it, and then I would cry, and I'm like, well, you know, maybe I'm not, okay, maybe I'm not, like, <laughs> losing it. <laughs> See, that is part of the process. You're coming from the deepest places within you, and, of course, that's going to evoke a lot of powerful emotions, so it's okay. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. that gets transferred, transcended to your work. That may transcend it better to people, so, yeah, that, I felt like, okay, it's okay. Bradbury also has that wonder wrote that wonderful little book called Zen and the Art of Writing. Every um, writer he, should be exactly done. Exactly, every every yeah. writer, every reader, everyone should buy the. Yeah, it is. Yes. Please continue. And the reminder that it's play that it's that it's both this courageous act, like Ed Hirsch talks about, of going into a, a realm that a lot of daily life doesn't take us into, and yet also playing in that realm. Yes, exactly. Being in the moment, my friend Bill says, you know, staying in the moment, I call it being in the event. But there's nothing more amazing, as, as you both know, being fellow writers, to be in that zone, but also behind you knowing that there are such giants, such people with iconic status who've been right where you are. It's very, it's a comfort to me, and I'm here for you both. Yes. Yeah. This is a compilation of, of, of all your interviews. It's 12 no. of them in total. Is that all the interviews you've done so far? Are there more than 12? Oh, no. Thanks for asking. I've actually done 21 interviews so far, but the book includes only the interviews from the first year. I bow to you, hope. my friend. <laughs> well, 21. we hope to put wow. out a new volume each year from this point forward. So that's that's what we're looking at. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Now, Donna, you and, and Melissa both have been through the process of doing this. You've written preface, Donna, you've written a wonderful preface for the Tefera Talk book. Thank you. I also want to bring in one other key person who is making the Tefera Talk book of interviews possible, and that's Diane Bonavis. She has been with Tefera since its beginning, and she's our editor and designer of our 
ish of our magazine issues and also of the book. But it's a pleasure. I mean, you, you know, you you talked about the different jobs that I've had in my life, and and um, they all have to do with writing and words, which is what I love. And I I tend to be, uh, well. I tend to be more, unlike you and Melissa, I tend to be much more comfortable um, talking to the computer screen than on the radio. But uh, There's no arguments involved unless you want to yell at yourself. Exactly. Well, that's true. That's true. So, And you also get a chance to edit yourself. So, But anyway, that aside, um, it's been a pleasure. It was a pleasure writing the preface to the interviews, and it was a pleasure reading them, and it was a pleasure listening to them. So... Um, Melissa asked wonderful questions. Uh, she she did she does incredibly thorough prep work for each interview, and I know that many of the people she interviewed said that she was one of the best interviewers or the best interviewer they'd ever worked with. So that doesn't surprise me in the least. I yeah. feel the same way. The feeling is most mutual. Oh, I just wanted to second what Donna said about Diane Bonavist. She's doing such amazing work with the book, and we're just so fortunate to have her. So I'm just I'm glad that Donna brought that up. Melissa, when you were doing, you know, working on the book, you were editing it, and transcribing it, and all that. Was there more things you learned about just doing that process, and and really sort of looking? Must have been very, very surreal at times to look at your own interviewing style and your approach. <laughs> because that was just an incredible process to see the interviews on the page. And, and just to clarify, do you want to say that Donna hired a transcriber who was wonderful? So I didn't transcribe the interviews, but I edited them. And seeing them on the page just brought so much to light. So, um, you know, as we mentioned, one of my strengths, obviously, was preparation. So, you know, I mean, I could be trapped in an elevator for 48 hours with one of these people and not run out of stuff to talk about. So so that part I was happy with, but there were a couple of things that I saw that I wanted to correct. And um, the first one was that when I began interviewing, I would ask the interviewees these super intellectual, long, multi-part questions that were difficult to comprehend on the spot. And even though they did a great job with the questions, I realized from seeing them on the page that it would be really helpful to them if I could start breaking those up into smaller questions. So I started working on that. And then um, another thing I learned, which is related and that it's also about brevity, was that I could be a lot more direct than in everyday conversation without sounding impolite. So a lot of the lead-ins and transitions and responses that I thought I needed were actually really unnecessary. And so I cut those. And um, and I was also surprised to learn that the best parts of the interviews were the parts where I'd been the most spontaneous. So after seeing them on the page, I felt a lot more comfortable in the future interviews of just letting the conversation happen naturally and not worrying so much about whether or not I got a specific question in or not. But it was just it was a wonderful process, and um, I think that all interviewers should who interview orally should transcribe a few and look at them on the page because uh, you, you just learn so much that way. I think that's a wonderful idea and great advice. And, and I think it also relates back to what Donna said earlier about being relaxed about it and at ease. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a pressure off of it, you know. 
allows you to think a little bit more spontaneously as well. You're not self-scripting yourself. That's what I, you know, I like to be prepared as you know, Melissa, as well. Prepare the questions, present the questions to the, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit, maybe a little too anal in that, but, you know, make sure everybody understands and the questions are clear to them. If they have any other questions, referring to the questions to clarify that or clear that up. But, but you also to just sit back a little bit, because I think when you do as well, you allow that other person the opportunity to say what they really like to say. They don't feel rushed. They don't feel happy. Right. They have to be on, you know, on stage. And okay, you've pointed the spotlight to them and say, okay, you know, perform. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, Donna, it was your brainchild to produce this show to Farrah Talk, which I'm interviewing you now on. Um, how did you come up with the idea? What was the genesis for that? For the radio show. Um, radio show. Yeah, um, actually I was on, I was interviewed on someone else's radio show and I thought, oh, this would be an interesting way to have to ferret readers um, hear more from writers. I'm always interested in listening to writers and their process and their thoughts about what they do. So at the, pretty much at the same time, I had brought Melissa in as an editor and I think the first time I spoke with her on the phone, you know, I really immediately, like all of us, fell in love with the warmth and graciousness in her voice. So I asked her if she would like to host the show, and uh, she accepted. And we, from the get-go, we've just been very fortunate getting people like Julia Cameron of The Artist's Way, and as you've mentioned, you're right, Donna. You have had you have had some phenomenal guests on the show. Yeah, and, you know, you, you, we've mentioned tonight Robert Pinsky and Edward Hirsch and also uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel, who who was brought in more as, you know, to talk more about meditation, things like that. We have Jeffrey Davis, who's also one of our ferret editors, who is the author of a book called Yoga as Muse. Um, so we have some people who are straight writers, some people who are thinkers about writing and creative process, Floyd Sklut, a wonderful writer, Anthony Lawler, Mark Allen, who's the publisher of New World Library. He is also interviewed. And it just has grown. And I know we're booked, you know, halfway, I think, into 2013 and <laughs> hope to continue it for a long time. I need to inject Donna to the audience that all these people that Donna's mentioned and many, many more literary luminaries, you'll be able to read the complete interviews, including actual poems. Let me say that again, Donna. Thank you as a poet for doing that as well. Yes, and those those are often in the book, obviously, because they're part of the transcription, so those are in the book as well. From Jude Rittenhouse is another poet who's in there. And mm-hmm. Yeah, so whenever read, anyone read aloud on the on the program, whether it was fiction or poetry or whatever it was, it was included in the book, whatever they read. It's a wonderful book. It really is. And obviously it appears to me that the radio show has exceeded all your expectations and then some. Is there any other changes or anything that you want to see additional to this? Pretty much got it covered from my perspective, but anything else, any new ideas have come come to mind or things you want to do differently or add to Yes. Me? Yes, and I actually haven't passed this by Melissa yet, but uh, I've been thinking about passing. 
about doing the, the video as a video chat one day. So we'll have to discuss that more. But uh, that's something I'd like to do. We'd certainly like to publish more books with some of the authors that did not get included in this volume. So I can only, you know, I think it's been, I think it's grown beyond our expectations, and I, I, I have really enjoyed listening to it myself, which is one of the pleasures of starting this. So. And I am, I say to you, I, I, I really do adore listening to the interviews, Melissa. Once again, my friend, I, I tip my hat to you, and I. <laughs> Thank oh, you. These interviews are just riveting. You really get inside of these people, and you really, you don't. For me, my take is I don't feel like they're projecting ideas. They're sharing them with me. They're not sort of just reading their work. They're sharing their labor of love with me. I'm a true believer that things are just meant to happen when they're supposed to happen and call whatever you want, whatever your belief is. But how you actually did get, get connected with Teferit, can you just quickly sort of describe it? What an amazing thing. Because, again, it, I think it will make my point. Some things are just... <laughs> Oh sure, actually that's that's another really good question. I let me think how this started. I was visiting Colorado, I think, and I found a copy of the ferret in a magazine stand there, and um, I bought it and just because I was interested in spiritual literature as well, and I just read it cover to cover and just really devoured it and was in love with it. And I thought, oh this is the kind of writing I'm doing and there's a place for me and it I just it was the first time I felt like there was somewhere that was publishing exactly what I wanted to write. So I just on an absolutely blind submission um sent in a couple of poems and they were selected for publication and then after that started communicating more and more with Donna and then um, I think I just, because I loved the ferret so much, I was donating, which is, you know, anybody else who loves the ferret, it's a, it's a great idea. So I started just, you know, making, like I would send a Thanksgiving donation, and you can do it on the website, and, you know, happy Thanksgiving to ferret or whatever. And then finally I think Donna just, had mercy on me and called me and said, would you like to work for Teferit? <laughs> and I said, I oh, don't boy, know. I, I adore you so much, my friend. It was had mercy on me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the quality, inestimable quality of your poetry, which you know I am your biggest fan. I would say that was part of it as well. And your <laughs> well, wonderful you. prosaic style. Thank you. <laughs> Well, you and I do this, and we have fun at it. We were talking about the butterflies before the show, which we always do get. And and these curves are some things that come out of another uh, multiverse uh, to surprise us. When you've, when you've done these interviews, and we, can, we don't have to name names, but um, has anything sort of um, just really surprised you or anything <laughs> just made you laugh or anything? And always the technical difficulties that throw us the curve. Anything that's happened... Yeah, actually, um, there was one. There were there have been a few things that have happened, but um, I think the one that that I'd like to mention is that I was, and again, I I think it might be kind of fun not to say who I was talking to. People might like to try to guess, um, but I was on air, and all of a sudden, while I was conducting the interview, the sound went out on my phone, and it went completely out. 
And I just was panicking. I didn't know what to do. I was running around, just what am I going to do? Finally, and, and it was the worst nightmare. I, oh, I know, I know. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, I have the headset for my phone. And it occurred to me that I could just go and find the headset and turn that on. And it took me a while, but I found it because I don't normally use it. And it was plugged in, and I turned it on. I think it was five minutes that all of this took place over. Finally, I turned the headset on, and can you believe it? The person was still talking <laughs> when I got on the air. And I listened to the show later, and it was seamless. It was like it had never happened, which was just, it was like a miracle, really. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so they talked about the Well, you were running around the house going, okay, I know where it is. I saw it just the other day. I get a plug oh. in, and I hope it works. All this time you thought there was just the sound of crickets, right, or on air? Oh, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I turned it back on, and I thoroughly expected that the person would be sitting there saying, are you there? Are you there? What's going on? I can't hear you. And it was just still the question was being answered. Everything was perfect and flowing. And then, of course, I had the fear, what if I ask something that was answered somehow while I was away, you know, as part of that other question. And that didn't happen either. I listened to the whole interview, and you just can't even tell it happened. (laughs) So that was lucky. (laughs) Anyone really surprise you? You know, I have to say it, it feels like every interview that I've done has had some moment of surprise and some just really great high point where I was just thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't. I can't even believe this. I'm so lucky, you know, that this is taking place. But um, a lot of times hearing people read their work surprises me because I've read it on the page, and um, it's it's wonderful on the page, which is why they've been invited to do the interview in the first place. But then hearing them read it oftentimes takes it to a whole new level that just totally surprises me. It's really in their own. We've talked about this many times, you and I, my friend, with our own poetry. You get the true cadence and the rhythm and the mm. intonation, you really, they make every word they've written when they read it to you really sort of ring and resonate. You really get to <laughs> really, I, it's visceral for me. I feel the poem and that when the person who actually, you know, wrote it reads it out loud. Mm, a totally yeah. different experience from, from in my, my impression, from, from just reading it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And also with their work, with the the things that they talk about often surprise me too because I've read the work and then I ask questions and a lot of times I think, I mean, I don't really do it at a conscious level, but I think at some level when I'm asking a question, I have an idea of what the answer will be. And um, I'm, I'm so surprised at the amount of wisdom and, and insight and just brilliance, really, that just continually flows from these people so that if if I'm asking something and I've already read about it in, in their book and their blog and everywhere else, and then they just bring it up to a new level, they've got so much to add to it, and it, it always surprises me. <laughs> it always does. What's nice about it, it's a good kind of surprise. There are a lot oh. of surprises you go, oh, no, and the surprises that you get, you go, oh, joy. Right, right. And these are the oh, joy surprises. <laughs> so blessed to do what we do, Melissa. We really are and to be with the kind of people that we are able to associate with, present company obviously included. And Donna, once again, the check's in the mail. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeff, I want to say, you know, you are one of my favorite interviewers, and uh, that's why I invited you to do this. And you're just absolutely fabulous, and I feel so fortunate that you agreed to do this. So <laughs> thank I you. It. That means so much to me. It really does. And, Donna, I want to thank you again one-on-one for allowing me to have this opportunity. Donna, is there is some things you want to add, getting close to the end of the show, about Tiferet? I think that... I know when I was young, I read Paris Review interviews with writers obsessively. And um, I think one of the things that's been a pleasure about these different talk interviews is, is continuing that access to people who are teachers and writers and artists and learning about, again, their process and, and also a, a, a surprising and wonderful to me element in this that didn't really appear in the Paris Review interview books was about their own beliefs or thoughts about a bigger a bigger consciousness, I guess. And mm-hmm. you know, where where we emanate from and where our creativity comes from. So that's one reason that I really like personally, I really like the interviews and I'm excited about the book. I also just like they do on NPR um, I do want to say that we do need, we do hope that people subscribe to our journal. Thank you, Donna. I was going to say this, so thank you for saying this for me. Exactly. Let me just expand on it for just a second, if I may. Liken to NPR Radio, as Donna said, this is contribution-based, um, keeps it alive, and this truly is a global community bringing together great minds, great thinkers as well as anyone interested in arts, creativity, spirituality. It truly is one of the finest communities in that regard I've ever seen, Donna. So forgive me for digressing. Please continue. Thank you. And we do have a global community, and it's been so exciting to see that grow. We have our Facebook page, To Parrot Journal, and we, we have our community on our website, people from India, people from London, people from um, all over the U.S., just all around the world, really. Pakistan, uh, we have people of all different faiths, people of all different ages, and it's, I really enjoy that. And uh, it's a welcoming community. It's a tolerant community. And when people do join the community, they can share their own writings. They can read thoughts from other uh, we have some featured bloggers every week. We have member postings. The, the subscription itself to the magazine includes five online issues and one print, five digital issues and one print issue. And you can find out more about the subscriptions, about our regular and patron memberships at the website, tiferetjournal.com. And, you know, it's the group is growing. It's very exciting. I love it, and I hope other people do too. And I, do, I believe that they will. All I have to do is just go there and they will fall in love. Melissa said it so well. I mean, when I first visited Tiferet online, I was like, I really do feel like I'm, I'm home. I'm, I'm visiting a very nurturing, comforting place, and I feel like I belong to sit at that table with everybody else. I felt welcomed, and, and that, that I think is a feeling that transfers now globally. So I hope everyone does visit TiferetJournal.com. Um, and as we close the show, Melissa, I want to congratulate you on another award for Six Weeks Shihida. That's an amazing book. It's a must <laughs> everybody. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, oh, thank receiving you. the Pinnacle Book Achievement Award. 
Kudos, my friend. Well done. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> and you know, I love your writing and your poetry. So coming from you, I really appreciate that. <laughs> so Melissa, where can they find you? We're on Facebook, your website. Please give us the site. Oh, sure. Um, well, I think just I'd like to direct people to my website, which is www.melissastutter.com, and that's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-S-T-U-D-D-A-R-D.com. And people can find out really anything they want to know there. There's a contact form that feeds directly into my personal email if they have questions. And, uh, of course, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Goodreads. So if anyone's looking to connect through social media, they can find me in those places. And, by the way, her blog is just outstanding. If you want to see good writing, feature articles, guest writers, you must visit Bareback Alchemy. That's where you'll find it on Melissa's website. It's outstanding. Thank you. And, and Donna, be be directing people to um, your personal website as well, or you prefer them just to go to teferajournal.com. Do you have the DonnaBearStein.com as well? I do have that right, Um, but people can go ahead and start at teferajournal.com, so... Okay, excellent. This has been an absolutely wonderful time. Melissa, thank you for stretching it out a few more minutes. Um, <laughs> I really feel you and I, I know, till tomorrow, no problem, watch the sunrise. <laughs> Talk, Donna, yeah. thank you again so much for first. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. And Melissa, thank you. Uh, Thank you, Donna. It was just wonderful to talk to both of you, and I hope you'll have a a wonderful night. (laughs) Please, everybody, visit teferajournal.com. Please subscribe and join. Look around. And buy the book. And buy (laughs) the book. Right. Our Jeffrey's author, or check me on the web. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, Melissa, why don't I turn the table back to you and let you end the show. Thank you all for listening in. Thank you all for being a support of my work, uh, and I wish you all a wonderful evening. Okay, thank you, and uh, I just want to say good night to everyone, and thanks for listening. So, goodbye. Bye-bye.